Fallout. You know, you gotta you gotta get the jet. And in Fallout 4, oh. you make your own jet. I thought that was a different drug. I was like, it. okay, we got jet fuel, we got Fallout. What do you want? We got that shimmer. shimmer. <laughs> Welcome to Casuals of Runeterra, Arcane Recap, Episode 6. I'm your host, Ryan, here with the other host, Hatch. We're, we're burning the midnight oil. It's past midnight oil. <laughs> we're burning the midnight oil at both ends. <laughs> That's the same. <laughs> Up both hills on the way to school, <laughs> in the snow. Um, yeah, it's freezing here in Atlanta, but listen. That didn't stop us from finishing this damn six episode. Act two in the books. But before that, housekeeping as always, you can listen to us everywhere. Uh, visit us at podcastcore.com for all our info. Follow us and pick any platform that you prefer to listen to. Um, and then send us an email. What you think about anything about at podcastcore at gmail.com. And then leave us a like, follow, short review slash comment. It's always pre appreciated. Helps us get, you know, some visibility, some eyes on the podcast. Uh, but the easiest way is to tell a friend to support organic growth by listening <laughs> to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. Uh, your cheese only gets better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's just hop into it. Um, obviously, this is wrapping up Act 2. So there's a good amount of stuff here. Uh, off the bat, naturally, it's going to be hard to top Act 1's ending, right? Uh, but this does put us in a very interesting place. Um, but we start off with another flashback. And Hatch and I have come to a conclusion. They've been consistent with how they're using flashbacks. So I'm going to give them a point back on the board for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm keen to give the point back, too. Because, uh, like, you, we, you can only start so many episodes with a flashback before it's like, okay, this is your thing. Isn't it? Yeah, they're using it, and and it's actually you know in retrospect, you know, six episodes into this arcane special, in retrospect, because of how many characters they're dealing with, how much bouncing back and forth they do, it's actually a good way for them to establish, hey, this episode's going to focus on this character, right? Um, so I I get it. It took a bit, but I get it. Uh, but we do get to see Victor as a young boy, and we get a flashback of him actually doing some tinkering. We know he's good with tinkering already. Uh, but also we get to see how weak he is and kind of alone. Um, there's a scene where he's in the slums of Piltover and there's other kids, but other kids are playing amongst themselves and he's by himself kind of tinkering with this thing. Uh, and this leads to us seeing a familiar face. Yes. Uh, so it's funny because we still don't get a name at all as far as like yeah. anyone actually speaking it. So outside of the time that I'm watching with subtitles, I don't <laughs> think anyone else would go, Oh yeah. So that's a hundred percent singed. Yeah. Um, but we, as far as with Victor tinkering, we see him playing with a toy boat. Uh, and it's, I do like the parallel as far as like with powders tinkering and Victor's tinkering because Victor's tinkering is significantly better, which points towards his high level of intelligence. Uh, but then he goes into this cave and it's singed acting as God mutating some giant gecko thing. Yeah. And it's surrounded by these mushrooms that are glowing with the purple light, which is immediately going to make us think, Hey, is this what they're using to manufacture shimmer? 
Yeah. And we don't know, but Singe just goes, oh, you look like a lonely kid. You know, smart people tend to be lonely. Yeah. And it's like, look at me, kid. I haven't aged a day, which we'll get to that because he looks looks good for the time frame they show him again. Um, And Victor's like, oh, well, is there anything I can help with? Because I find this gigantic freak gecko cute. And he's like, okay, cool. We'll be lonely (laughs) together. And end of flashback. Yeah. One thing to keep in mind in the real world, uh, things like heroin come from poppies, right? Yeah. Um, Opium. So this is actually a great way to represent it into something you can compare to real life. Because what we start to see more in this episode are like what you consider junkies, right? People who have used Shimmer in some fashion in the past that live, can't afford any more of it, and are starting to mutate in different ways, more like side effects or withdrawals. Um, So this is the first time we're really seeing it with the ultimate negative um, besides death, we've seen yeah. it kill people. I mean, it's but it's like the natives of South America using coca leaves as yeah. a bread flower and as well as just to chew on for a quick pick me up. Exactly. Uh, but if you add like a bunch of gasoline and stuff, you can make some <laughs> hardcore stuff. Um, jet but, fuel. Yeah. So, which is a good drug name, by the way. If you have a drug, <laughs> come up with some name of jet fuel. It'll sell. <laughs> hey, uh, Fallout. You know, you gotta you gotta get the jet. And in Fallout 4, you oh. make your own jet. I thought that was a different drug. I was like, it. okay, we got jet fuel. We got Fallout. What do you want? We well, got, what we got you shimmer. Want? What we got you that want? shimmer. <laughs> Casuals are in terror. Your newest dealer. Yeah, if you don't support the podcast, we will sell drugs. Oh, so, oh my God. <laughs> this, so naturally, we come out of the um, you know Victor flashback into Victor sitting, um, just kind of sightseeing. Uh, and Heimer shows up and they kind of have a powwow about something not so great. Yeah, and this is Heimerdinger revealing that, you know, it's now public information that the Victor's prognosis is that he does not have long left to live. So they have a quick heart-to-heart because Heimerdinger does respect Victor, but that's about all there is for this scene. And then we cut over to to Mel Medarda painting in her room, uh, and Jace... Coming back and, you know, Mel's clearly a little upset that, hey, I didn't get my pillow talk. Yeah. Uh, and, and then Jace is like, oh, my best friend is dying. <laughs> the classic card to so play. Then, so, it's, so, yeah. Fellas these, out there, these young, take notes. These young lovers are a little bit at a tiff. Yeah. And it's weird to say that and not be talking about Jace and Victor being the young lovers. It's, you know, a lot of confusing emotions. Riot let them down. Right. Let the fans down. <laughs> Hit them up on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him um, we sent you. Now, for me, as far as uh, having like Jace having this moment, this uh, <clears throat> vulnerability, and showing how close Victor is to him, uh, I'm, one, it's good because we do get to read in the lore for both Jace and for Victor, which we do cover in our Victor episode, how close Victor and Jace were when they were young. Yeah. Um, specifically in Victor's lore, Victor is like, I find you insufferable, but I respect your mind. Um, this shows that they did, you know, build a bond of brotherhood so yeah. that it's important that they're building that. And we get a bit for Mel here too, because, um, the first thing she asked him is, Hey, why are you coming to me with this? Right? Like we had a night of fun, whatever. And she's constantly talking about how she was, um, kind of isolated from her people, kind of not banished, but neglected. Yeah. So for her. We know how she operates on the council as sort of a loner that thinks she's in control of most things or moves the pieces a good bit. So we get a good sense of her 
personal yeah. isolation, despite her success. Yeah. She may have been banished because the word that she used was exiled. Exiled, yeah. So yeah. she was exiled from the Madarda. Yeah. But uh, I'm questioning whether she actually was because she keeps the Madarda name. And yeah, it's so, clearly reached a seat of power. So, and it's kind of confusing if it's a family name or if it's a like a tribal name or if it's like royalty. Like it, it's still blurry there, which I'm I'm sure they've done on purpose to keep her more of a mysterious figure. But I think that's a neat way for them to show her vulnerability, considering how much in control she's been throughout these episodes so far. Hey, you know, a night of sex is going to do a lot for people. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so obviously they're talking about Victor's sickness. So we cut back to Victor, a very clean transition here. And he's having another one of those moments with Hextech. Um, but this moment is special. <laughs> this, this moment is very special because it's now this contraption that they're trying to make work like similar to AI as far as to give freedom to Hextech. Uh, and I don't like the way that I'm, phrase sounds at all. <laughs> Give freedom to Hextech. It's like that already sounds bad. Yeah, I'm, that's kind of what he's doing. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, this kind of also shows how smart Victor is because he's able to put two and two together as far as seeing his blood there, realizing that the yeah. Hextech is acting differently. Yeah. And then he's just like, oh, okay, screw it. I'm dead anyways. So. Uh, Go ahead and touch this. Yeah. And it does react to him. Uh, and I think this is like the first like real proof that we get that like this hex tech is changing people. Yes. As far as like when it zooms in on his face and stuff, it's like, okay, he's he's leaving now. Yeah. It, like the victor we know is starting to disappear and, and we don't know where it's going. And this yet. is, I, I think this is a great way. And I don't know if this is on purpose or not, but this is a great way to just represent radiation, right? This is something that in tech in the real world, as we progress, that's always something that comes into mind is how does this interact with humans, this new power source, this new thing, right? Um, so this is a cool way to kind of see it play on that. Do you think Victor's going to make a microwave? Are there any microwaves in this universe? <laughs> I haven't seen a microwave yet. <laughs> I've seen a bunch of fucking jukeboxes. Upside down jukeboxes. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to get into that. All right, magnets are cool, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, so he makes physical contact, but we don't really see much more of that. And then we get our one of our favorite cuts, which is to just something completely different. Um, so we jump over to Jinx and... This transition, honestly, for me, is jarring. Yeah. Because one, we haven't touched on Jinx, uh, Jinx or Silco or any of that group at all in this episode yet. Yeah. We make this jump, and Jinx is in a diner, and she's asking about what the other gang members are doing. Yeah. Um, and the guy that's running the diner tells her that they're out hunting for a girl. Uh, which we like, we don't even know yet, really, that they're looking for Vi. Yeah, because like, the last episode ends with um, Savika saying, telling Silco that Vi's back. Silco freaking out, literal like abrupt end of episode there, and that's it. So this is like I in my notes I actually wrote down that Jinx was trying to investigate what was the firelights were doing cuz that's how I understood it because they haven't told us anything yeah. about Silco looking for Vi right now. This is one of those moments definitely. I think the only thing this serves so I immediately kind of jumped 
it's jarring within context. Outside of context, I think there's a good parallel at this point in the act to when Jinx, when she was powder, um, was left out of that final uh, mission that Vi went on. It's, it's kind of a refresh of she asked the bartender who she doesn't remember his name because it's not important. Um, <laughs> what's going on? What's everybody up to? And they're like, oh, they're doing a thing. And she's like, without me kind of thing again. Right. And it's kind of rehashing that same play out. But this time she's more crazy than she was then. This time she's embraced the jinx. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like what what we do get to know as far as just the after being able to you know get the context of the full episode is that yeah. she's tracking down what Silco's up to um and Silco is hunting down Vi and simultaneously Caitlin yeah. because they know that she's with an enforcer and then that cuts us to Caitlin and Vi who are working their way through Zon trying to track down Jinx mm-hmm. Uh, Caitlin is not aware what they're doing. She yeah. still has no idea because Vi hasn't really let her in on any of these details yet. But Vi is leading her into the deepest parts of Zon. Yeah. And it turns out that these deepest parts of Zon is much more similar to like a um graveyard. Uh, yeah, a graveyard <laughs> that's infested with zombies. Yeah, absolutely no light. <laughs> yeah, absolutely no light. And all the people that are there are, are, are terrified of the light. And their childhood home. So this yeah. is where we get to see the home where Vi and Jinx grew up. It's depressing. And, uh, <laughs> and, and during this, Vi is still a little bit out of it because of her stab wound. She's yeah. kind of slowly bleeding out. She also takes a hell of a tumble down there because, you know. Slight, yeah. A, a life-threatening wound. It's called parkour. We talked about it last episode. And a life-threatening <laughs> wounds only buff parkour. That's it. <laughs> um, the, and one of the interesting things is that we get to see members of the Firelight tracking them doing yeah. this. So I wonder if the Firelight are based out of this area. I don't know if it's like their headquarters or not. Yeah, yeah. It's it's because we mentioned this in previous episodes, right, where we kind of lost track of where the firelights were. Granted, in that episode that we did get the firelights, Jinx did a good job of dismantling them to a degree where they might have to go figure out and regroup. Um, but yeah, that was interesting to see that part of Zon because we've talked about in the past just how Zon is built. Yeah. And this is the the bottom of the peril. And they do a good job of letting you know that, yeah, no, no, this, it doesn't get worse than this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then from there, it moves us over into uh, seeing what Jinx is up to, which is trying to find Silco. Yep. So Jinx is waiting at Silco's office. Savika goes to report to Silco. And Jinx is like, perfect, a hostage. The hell are you up to? Which is interesting because remember up to this point, Jinx thinks she's alone, right? And out of it, out of the loop. Turns out Savoka is probably not as in the loop as well. Cause like where's Silco? You expect him to be here. Everyone's, this is, you remember we're, we're escalating how much out of control this is getting for Silco, right? And this mm-hmm. just adds more to it is not only this disruption on the surface, but the disruption within his own crew. Yeah. And we like uh, Savika is a little bit more in the loop in the fact that yeah. once she's taken hostage, she is able to tell Jinx that like, no, they're not looking for a girl. They're yeah. looking for your sister. Yeah. So this is the first time that Jinx is aware that Vi's alive. She has one of her famous little breakdowns in a very quick moment. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, it's OK. I've got the perfect way to let Silco know that 
this mission is jinxed. (laughs) (laughs) And then this takes us to, if I remember correctly, Silco, where he's at, right? And this is the great, like you said, mob scene. This is a very by the books. Um, (laughs) Even with this shot where Marcus opens, like opens the door cracks, sees his daughter playing with something. He's like, okay, cool. Then gets a moment and opens it more and then sees Silco's the one playing with her. Yeah. I, I straight up looked at you and said, this is some Godfather he's, shit. He's even rocking a jacket that I don't think he rocks on the regular. It's <laughs> a very mobster scene. He's got to dress up if he's going topside. <laughs> You're right. And mama taught him better. <laughs> um, we get a little bit of Easter egg here where one of Silco's punks is sitting in the chair in a rocking chair reading a book and we see the terrorist himself Timo the true terrorist <laughs> the true don't <laughs> let jinx fool you Timo is the one that needs to be stopped he's the maniac listen we'll get there Try, i Timo doesn't make an appearance here. There's no way. No, this is the only appearance that we're going to get unless he gets like a quick Easter egg and another shot in the lane. Okay, yeah, that makes because sense. Because I, I, I'd like to... It'd be too far off base. I, I mean, it, it would make sense that like in Piltover, Timo is going to be like a folklore, yeah. you know, like a tale that you tell your children when they go to bed at night so that they can believe in a fantasy world. And yeah. it's like, yeah, magic creature that kills people with mushrooms. That's crazy. And then in Zahn, it's just like, oh, what's up, Timo? The usual? <laughs> giant mushroom on the table. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we get this you know, mobster scene playing out. Silco essentially tells Marcus, listen, you promised me something. That wasn't the truth. And I need you to fix this problem you created for both of us. And if you don't, accidents happen and as he's looking at his daughter kind of situation right and then it has it even has the mobster swooping cut um cut scene where like he's getting up swoops his jacket over and it cuts like transitions to the next scene i'm like okay it was, it was straight up some godfather stuff yeah. if you didn't hear the the theme the godfather theme playing yeah. you just haven't watched godfather that's how i feel about that whole scene um I, I do like that we finally get an answer as far as why Silco yes. thought Vi was dead. And it's very clear that Marcus told Silco that he had apprehended Vi. He said, okay, you, Marcus, you need to kill Vi. Marcus said, I will kill Vi. Marcus, Marcus imprisons Vi in Guantanamo Bay yeah. instead. And I mean... He says that Vi's not a problem anymore. Man, you know, whatever yeah, book. He says, you know, Vi's not a problem anymore. <laughs> yeah. I put her in a prison that no one escapes from. And here we are. <laughs> Thanks, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. So we get back to Victor in his kind of, you know, mental state of the first time we get to see him testing with organic matter. And this is with a plant. And he's watching this. What do we call it now? He called it the hex core. And I guess that's what we'll call this because we've had, you know, gems, we've had shards. So we have a core and he's seeing how this interacts with the plant life and he's showing it to Jace. Right. He's very confident. And Jace kind of puts two and two together. And it's funny to hear um, Victor say, you know, think about the possibilities that this could have. And Jace is like, this could save you. Right. So in Jace's mind, he's kind of doing the logical leaps already because of how much he cares for Victor. Yeah. And I I think this is also like the first signs that we get that like Victor is starting to change as far as yeah. no longer being human. Because uh, we know the Hextech core is very important to Victor. Uh, you know, it's the only item that he gets. 
for free. <laughs> uh, so eat your heart out, mid laners. Um, but the uh, as far as with that, Jace is the one that's making the conclusion mm-hmm. that hey. Victor, with this, we can save your life. Yeah. Victor's not the one saying that anymore. No. Victor, at this point, is no longer talking about how he's out of time. Yeah. He's now just like, oh, no, response to organic material. I can't understand how to make the transmutation stick. <laughs> I must do further calculations. Like, so we're, this is a beginning to me of, like, Victor starting to change, which kind of works with the fact that he's physically touched this core. Yeah. And and the thing he does show Jace, because Jace makes that comment, and he's like, but wait, there's more. And he shows Jace the rest of the process where, you, you know, acceleration means it in both ways where it brings life, but also it kills it immediately afterwards. Um, and that brings a concern to his face. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they're they're off to go ahead and start working on trying to balance out this transmutation. Yeah. Because, I mean, for them, it's still a scientific process. Yeah. Uh, it's just that they're both on different pages without knowing that they're on different pages. Yeah. That's a very um, nuanced scene. Yeah. Yeah, definitely nuanced. And then um, this takes us back to Caitlyn and Vi, right? Vi passing out a good bit. Caitlyn getting to wander a bit on her own. I think for the first time since she's come to the Undercity. And you can tell just in the time she's been with Vi, she's a lot more comfortable. She's blending in a lot more. She's not so much of that posh yeah. queen. Is it above. the time that she spent with Vi or is it the time that she spent in the brothel? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> People, people grow up quick in the brothel. <laughs> everybody, everybody tends to relax once they're leaving that place. <laughs> but yeah, we get her running into what essentially is a junkie. And at first, it's that one thing of, oh, hesitance. And then she sees what he's going through with his addiction. He tells her that he knows Vi. They grew up in that house. And he thinks he can help her find a way to help Vi. Um, so she gives into it, right? She doesn't know much. She just wants to help out the person that's been helping her yeah. this so far. Um, I it, it is really cool too because as far as before she's leaving there and Vi is kind of going in and out of consciousness. Um, that going in and out of consciousness, she's starting to remember growing up there with Powder, and then that gets accelerated when Caitlin looks at her and goes, "Hey, uh, you know, we're not so different. I can tell." By being with you and spending time with you, you have a good heart. Yeah. And then Vi hears that in Vander's voice. Yeah. So it's Vander saying, yeah. you have a good heart. And that kind of accelerates it more. Um, but before we see where this uh, <laughs> this Schmeagol, this golem, <laughs> yeah. uh, takes Caitlin, we cut back to the to our two favorite boys showing Heimerdinger, hey, check out our new Hexcore. Dude, real quick. Poor Heimendinger. It's one of those things where within these episodes, they've come to him with like five breakthroughs in a week. And this man is very take it, you know, take time, take it slow. And they're like, we have a new breakthrough already. And he's like, please stop my heart. Yeah. I told you 10 years. <laughs> I told you 10 years for the one last week. <laughs> 10 years. Yeah, this is where this is where it's gotten. You know, you have this parallel of things getting out of hand with Silco and Marcus and that whole situation. Things in the tech world for Piltover is also getting off the rails because they're going into mad scientist mode at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you can really see this as far as with Heimerdinger's reaction to being shown the hex core because he does once again this flashback as far as to whatever destroyed the original city of Piltover there. Um 
as far as with the time that this flashback caught up, uh, to me, the look of it was kind of more, it reminded me of the lore for K for Kale and Morgana. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, cause now, like now we actually see like a humanoid figure in this like burning radiance yes. pillar. Yes. And I mean, we know that Kale and Morgana have been there since the beginning. Uh, I had the and, same thought. And they had a battle that basically destroyed all of known life close to it. But it's so, cool. They're both pretty. All right. So <laughs> that's good enough for me. That's all we need. If they give me their phone number, I'm good. Uh, but so Heimerdinger officially tells yeah. them, no, destroy this. Yeah, he's terrified. Destroy this. And Jace is like, no, I'm not destroying this because it can save Victor's life. And I'm now on the council. So I'm ready to throw my weight to make this happen. <laughs> and then we immediately cut back <laughs> to Caitlin on her adventure with uh, the Juice Lord himself. We don't know his name. Um, <laughs> I'm going to call him Juice Lord. But what ends up happening is she, they, he takes her to a broker. Um, the broker says, I have something that she's like, what's the ailment? She's been stabbed. <laughs> and then she's like, all right, I got something for that. <laughs> so gives her a potion that's spiked with a bit of shimmer. Um, she takes that, but you got to trade some for it, right? The only thing she has worth value is her gun, not the gun we know her to have, but this one kind of breaks down. It's more yeah. like a travel. Yeah, rifle. this is this is clearly like the enforcer regulation. Yeah, yeah. like the you, everyone's issued this rifle. Yeah. Um, and we know that later on she, the Caitlin makes her own. Um, mm -hmm. but it, it's nice to see as far as what happened to the uh, to the regulation issued one is <laughs> that she gave it up to help Vi. Yeah. And after making that trade, the this vendor. Mm, potion snake oil salesman <laughs> like ends up giving a drop of a purple looking if, liquid and by the way if you know what this race is so at this point i think we've seen three instances of this more like dark skin kind of elvish looking with sharp teeth and what looks like either tattooed around the eyes or just natural patterns we've seen three characters like that and i can't for the life of me think of yeah, they're not the same as like Nami. This is a different yeah. um race from my side. But if you guys know, let us know. Yeah, I, I would I will end up doing some reading into it, but that's gonna happen after I get some sleep. Oh yeah. Uh, we're, but listen, we're doing this for you guys. Yeah. We're, we're, we're burning the candle yeah. at six the, the only thing that seemed to me was missing though is like after giving up the uh rifle, just have that <laughs> have that lady just go mm, two portions. I was <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing this too long. So next we get a shot of uh, Marcus, right? We get a Marcus trying to get details on Jace, mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of a short-lived thing. Nothing major there. It's just him trying to be like, all right, I'm in crisis mode. He has my daughter. I just need to do what he says. I'm done playing these games, these politics. And you can tell he looks tired because um, everything, I mean, everything he's been through, it's fine being a you know dirt cop when you're young. When you're older, you got a kid. That's that's an old. That's a young yeah, man. You game. just want out. Yeah, like, you just want out at that point. Um, I like the little bits of like the, uh, like the game that's being played here. Yeah. Like if you're a fan of mob stories and stuff, this is something that you're going to enjoy because he he uses the grenade that Silco gave him to be like, yeah, go go take care of our problem. Yeah, uses that as far as like we found evidence that the bomber is planning another attack. Here's yeah. said evidence. Um, can you tell me 
what your investigations brought up, like what what uh, Caitlin and this prisoner have found. Yeah. Yeah, let me know. Like, let me in on this action because he just wants to go kill Vi. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but because of the evidence of the bomber, Jace is like, no, it's time for martial law. We go ahead and lock down the city. No this, one what crosses is this, that fifth, bridge. His fifth day? Yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> like, martial law on your fifth day. Man, and on the fifth day, he said. <laughs> make Piltover great again. <laughs> <laughs> but they... So, I mean, like, one, this is just already a bunch of moves for Jace, but this, like, Marcus is, like, playing his cards well, because it's, for him, it's a win-win. Yeah. You know, if it's martial law and lockdown, you know, I either catch your bomber, that's a promotion for me. Yeah. Or I catch Caitlyn and Vi coming across, I can kill Vi. So I'm happy you mentioned cards, because we did have a moment during the mobster scene um, where Soko made his comment, and as he made his comment... He threw a card at the house he built with the little girl and the house of cards came tumbling down. And this theme is throughout everything, everything, like all the planning, the Marcus stuff, the political stuff has gone too far for everyone to handle. And now it's getting out of hand. And obviously we're in the middle of this arc, right? We're getting to act three next week. So it's only natural that you have this turn. Right. And things start to go into chaos. So there's a lot of symbolism throughout this one. A lot. Um, and all the way through, which is really well done. Yeah. So now uh, Jace's martial law cannot take effect until all of the council's on board. And this is a very cool political turn. Yeah. As far as just like the politics in it. Yeah. Uh, I will say Riot has done a great job of doing a lot of political intrigue in a short amount of time. Yes. Um, yes. If you are not into political intrigue, it's. Not interesting, uh, but with this, like Jace is trade, like trade agreement. Yeah, uh, Jace is Jace comes to the council, says it's time for us to go on full lockdown to protect this. Heimerdinger is like, no, I don't think that's best because it's going to bring tension between the two cities, and I also think you're doing this for personal reasons because of the hex, because of your hex core discovery. And Jace is like, nope, this is what's needed. And if you're not for it, I think it's time for us to retire our most senior member of the council. How many times we got to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> He's a founder of Piltover. <laughs> By like a hundred years. Like like, he was there before Piltover was built. The city that stood before it, he watched get destroyed. Rebuilt it as Piltover. <laughs> and now some chump comes in and goes... Don't you want to break some young, some young hothead? It's always a young hothead. It's always a young hothead. Cool your heads. And it's there's there's a quick shot here, a couple frames of uh, when he makes that comment. Everyone is shocked, obviously, because he's the newest council member who's been very active lately. Um, this is not who he was before. We're seeing a huge personality shift, and also we know he has relations with Mel. And this is the first time we see Mel make a decision. Um, but also being uncertain about it because the whole time she's fidgeting with her, remember the fidget toy she gave to the older guy, right? But she's fidgeting with like a pencil as she finally decides to put her hand up and be the first one to trigger this vote yeah, outside it, of Jace. I mean, this is the first time Mel's not in the driver's seat. Oh, dude, it's, like, there's a lot of, this is probably the most subtle episode 
I mean, obviously the chaos around happening, but yeah. it's subtle. It's not just in your face explosions yeah. or whatever. It's, like if you're paying attention to how subtle it is, you can feel just how quickly it's accelerating. Yes. Um, I, th- I think if you're not paying attention to that, it's a lot of boring crap until yeah. we get to the shooting. Smooth as fast. Um, but it, they, they do a great job here. Ultimately, Heimerdinger gets ousted, yeah. which is like... Well, crap, that's like George Washington getting thrown out of a cabinet. Yeah. Um, yeah, That no, that there's no way that's going to come to bite anyone in the butt. No, 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 no. But it's shooty-shoot time. <laughs> it's shooty-shoot time. <laughs> so, so Silco finds Vi. Um, we go back to the city, or not, well, I guess, yeah, we go back to the outskirts of the city um, in Zon. And Caitlin has given Vi a little bit of potions, given her the kick she needs. You know, five-hour ener- five energy from the gas station <laughs> will do that. Um, and as they kind of get back up to speed, they step outside and guess who's waiting for them um, with his gang of junkies. Man, I, the note I put here was all hell the meth lord because uh, it, yeah. it is it is them getting cornered by Silco. Yeah. And you, you get the feeling of like this faded reunion because Silco's like, Vi, I've been waiting for this. Can't go any deeper. And Vi is, like, on, yeah. and Vi is like, yeah, I've been waiting for this too. Like, yeah. they both want to kill each other. But the whole time that Silco's like, I've been waiting for this, he's just handing out shiver <laughs> to all these junkies. <laughs> and all these junkies are like, hell yeah, I'll do anything for a hit. <laughs> just one, just one bump, man. And and yeah, so it's a very, it, like the scene is is very unsettling from the beginning. And it just continues down that path. Um, they end up finding a way to escape. Uh, Caitlin kind of notices like a shaky beam of sorts, right? And as his goons begin to attack after they consume some shimmer, uh, we get this tumbling of what is that? It's like it's it's almost like a I would consider it like a billboard, maybe. Yeah, it looks like an old billboard yeah. or just an old neon sign. Yeah, um, this scene to me was hella cartoony because it no. ended up just being like the old western. Oh like yeah, jokes falls, of like yeah. the front of a building falling, yeah. and you're standing where the window is, yeah. so you're good. Uh, and so, spoilers: it falls, it kills every junkie, <laughs> okay. and it kills all the goons. Yeah, and Silco's the only one alive, and he throws a tantrum. He, he finally throws a tantrum, kicking a corpse, like more dead. Yeah. I don't know. He's just kicking a corpse. Vi and Caitlin running for their lives. And then we get this cool shot of while they're running for their lives, Jenks gets to the highest point of mm-hmm. of Zon and lights the flare that she was given in Act One yeah. when Vi went on the mission to save Vander. And it's like, if you light this and wherever you are, I will find you. Yep. And so this whole chase scene and Silco freak out ends with Vi seeing the flare. Yep. And Vi is like, hey, I know where to go now. Um, and then there's this weird cut. I mean, it's it sort of fits where she sees the flare and then it cuts back to a Victor flashback of him finding out what Singe was doing to that salamander. Because remember, Victor said, how can I help as a kid was bringing him the flowers and he saw what it was doing to the salamander and it shows his disgust then, but then cuts to him older going back to find Singe who hasn't aged a day, by the way. Yeah. Great skin. No, he's aged because his Did skin he? has been burned. Because remember, oh, okay. he is caught in the explosion at the end of episode three. Oh, 
because his face was covered. So I was like, yeah. oh, he kind of looks the yeah, same. So he's from got the shot. like it's all covered up. So everything that's uncovered looks the same. Oh, but he's covered because he was I, caught in that explosion that make, yeah, that in episode sense. three. Uh, but yeah, so Victor comes there and it's I understand now. And this is again, is just more into that thing of like, oh, no, like I, I think it's more now that like Victor, instead of like preserving his life, it's I must preserve the transmutation. Yep. The mutation must survive for the glorious <laughs> evolution. <laughs> um, so now we got Victor and Singed, I guess, going to be working together. We don't know. It kind of ends with just this yeah. revelation of Victor understanding the quick and still no name singed. for Singed. Still no name for Singed. <laughs> you have to watch with subtitles to know I'm right. It's going to be like the, the end of a post credit. It's going to be like, oh, by the way, Singed, and singed. then it's going to end. Voice actor for Singed. Voice actor for Singed. But we get so we get that realization from Victor that Singed in his mind was correct, and then we cut to Jinx, who's having a different realization that the flare is almost out. Vi's nowhere to be seen. And she's starting to give up and she turns around and guess who's there? Dramatic music swells. Just on time. It's my sister. Oh, <laughs> you came back. Yeah, Vi says, I came. I'm here and it's not an illusion. Uh, let me get some Terry moments. And then we get some Sakuga. And this is some good. So this is a, this is a scene I want to go back and watch again. So as they're, you know getting close and she's convincing jinx that it's not an illusion it's not your mind i'm back chem punk show up the firelights are back finally and they're back in force um uh, i mean before we even see the yeah. firelights like it's because this happens really really fast yeah the op okay yeah because yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. get we get the uh like jinx and by reunion Jinx says we're finally back together again. Yeah. And then opens her eyes and coming up the stairs behind where Vi had come up is Caitlin. It's like, whoops. Uh, it's like, oh, you're with the cops. Yeah. Jinx pulls the gun on Vi. Vi is like, you can shoot if you want, but I'm still your sister and I'm here for you. Yeah. And in this tense moment of powder versus Jinx in her own mind, while that's happening, Firelight show up yep. and then it's full on shootout. Oh, dude, it moves fast. And, you know, this is definitely seen. Just go watch it. I'm probably going to watch it again because there's a lot of cool cuts in there. It's very fluid, too. It's well animated in that moment. You could tell yeah. there was like a, it looked like there was a dramatic yeah. um, budget increase in that. Yeah. Space. When we get to the end of this whole series, I will get to spell out my beef that I have as far as with the animation in the show. This fight scene is probably the top moment for me yeah. so far. It, it is done so well. It feels so fluid. I like there are times in it that I could imagine this being a live action yeah. almost like it's incredible. They do such a good job with this and it's entertaining to watch and me trying to describe it would do it injustice. Yeah. And this what this all ends up resulting in coming to the end of the episode here is that it goes bad. Uh, the hex gem that Jinx had on her gets taken by the chempunks and then also gets taken by. Mm -hmm. And then we get some smoke grenades, which I don't think we've seen smoke grenades up to this point. Not yet. No. Um, we get a couple of them and they disappear, leaving Jinx alone again. And when she's alone, she's in her own mind and it already starts to go bad. And then we get a cut and then credits. Yeah. So this leaves us, leaves us at an interesting spot for where things are going to pick up. Because like we said, the theme of this is, hey... We're in the middle of the arc. We're going towards the end in the next act. 
Obviously, this is chaos raining down. And how is everyone going to respond respectively? Yeah. Um, and Man. we know. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the only things as far as in this fight scene that I will bring up is going to be that there are moments where Vi is watching Jinx fight. Yeah. And you can see in their face that she's realizing you're not the powder I knew. Yeah. Um, and, which I think is that's going to be important as far as like whatever kind of clash we end up ending on in the third act. Yep. Um, and that third act will be soon. One more gauntlet. We got one more gauntlet of this. And this has yeah. been fun so far. Um, but a- for this episode, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with the next arcane episode. Take care, everybody.